So this morning, I want to take some time and I want to talk about something that came up in the news this last week. And I'm pretty sure everybody in the room knows what I'm talking about. So I'm sure by now most of you, if not everyone this morning, heard about what happened in New York this past Wednesday, what passed called the Reproductive Health Act, is what the name of the legislative act is actually called, or maybe if I just say the bill that was passed that legalized women to be able to abort their unborn child all the way up to full term. And so, here's the thing. I was in my office this week, getting ready to prepare my message, and I didn't really want to talk about this, but I felt like I didn't have a choice. I felt like God put it in my spirit that I had to talk about this. And so, being obedient to what the Spirit put in my heart, I said, okay God, this is what you want me to talk about? I, I'm, I'm going to be obedient, I'm going to talk about it. I'm not going to really necessarily talk about the actual law that was passed um, and all the details of it. However, the main thing this morning I want to focus on is just The value of life. This morning, that's what I want to talk about, is the value of life and what God tells us in Scripture is the value of life. Because the value of life is that God values life, and I believe that every single second of life is worth living. And so this morning, that's what I have entitled the message this morning, is worth every second. Worth every second. A life worth living is worth every second. And so, we know that in 1973, Roe v. Wade legalized abortion for the first time in America. And this last Wednesday, on the 46th anniversary of Roe v. Wade, the RHA Act was passed in New York. It's no coincidence that they did it on the 46th anniversary. The it's just for the state of New York. I agree. And since then, since 1973, as a church, and as believers around the country, we've been fighting hard to see that law overturned. Tried numerous times on different things to see the law overturned. But here's the thing, this morning, I'm not looking to start a political debate because I believe this goes far beyond politics. This is not a matter of politics. This is simply a matter of what's right and what's wrong. This is a matter of morality and what is right and what is wrong. We're going to take some time and look to Scripture to see what God talks and tells us about the value of life. And so last Sunday we finished up our series talking about the trip I took to Tanzania. And so I didn't make any mention of it. But last Sunday... Some of you may have heard it. Last Sunday was actually what was called Sanctity of Life Sunday. Um, and so every, every year, um, I believe it's the third Sunday of January, is what is called Sanctity of Life Sunday. And it's a Sunday that's all about celebrating the value of life. Celebrating the fact that life is valuable and, and what life represents. 
And so this morning, as I said, the title of my message is Worth Every Second, but also, you know, kind of sanctity of life is the whole idea. No matter how long or how short one's life is, it's worth every second that it lasts. And I want to make a few things very clear before I start the message this morning. I've been here for over a year and a half now, and I think that all of you know by now, I've never used this pulpit for political gain. I've never sat up here, and I've never tried to use this for any political gain. I've never tried to use this to sway people towards one side or the other. I've always been very careful about that, and as I mentioned, to me, this, this goes far beyond politics. This is about morality. Secondly, I'm focusing this morning, my focus this morning is not on anti-abortion, it's not on slamming those who are pro-abortion, or condemning those who may be listening this morning who have even partaken in an abortion before in your life. Our focus this morning is going to be on talking about the value of life. I understand this is a sensitive topic, one that can be hard to talk about, one that can be hard to hear about. But I believe that in our world today, we simply cannot sit by and be quiet any longer. I believe as a church, we've been quiet on topics such as abortion, homosexuality, and other things for too long. And that's part of the reason that our culture is the way it is today. We need to continue to remember how valuable human life is and that God has created each of us in his image for a purpose. So this morning again, my goal is not to push my personal convictions upon you, but rather to share with you what God's word says about how truly valuable each and every life is, as well as sharing with you different examples of how God interacted with a number of different uh, individuals before they were ever even born. There's multiple different examples of that in Scripture. So as we look to God's Word, can I give you a single specific verse that says one should not commit an abortion this morning? No, not specifically. You look at Scripture and there's not one that, that you look at that says, Thou shalt not commit an abortion. No, that, that is not listed in Scripture. But I would say that it does break one, if not two of the commandments that God gave Moses in the Old Testament, with the first one being the fifth commandment that says, you shall not kill or murder, as many of the translations say. You could also argue that it's breaking the seventh commandment that says you shall not steal. For you are taking away the life of something that doesn't have an option to say whether it wants to have life or not. You're stealing away an opportunity at life. Again, I understand people will say there are medical reasons and all kinds of different reasons you may choose to do so, but we also know that regardless of what medical prognosis may be, that our God is a healer, that our God does miracles, that our God can do whatever he chooses to do, regardless of what the medical prognosis may be. So the doctors may say, you know what? 
This child has a limited chance of surviving. Okay. We serve a God who can overcome those odds. We believe that. We have faith. And we trust that. So what does that mean? It means we give our God a chance to do that. Amen? I understand sometimes that's easier said than done. However, as I said, Scripture is full of verses that make reference to God's personal interaction with children before they were ever actually even born. So while they were still being formed in their mother's womb, God made himself known to them. And I want to share a few of those passages with you this morning to help you again be reminded of the value of life. And I actually found these examples when I was reading through a blog that was written by Dr. James Dobson, who's the founder of Family Talk. Many of you maybe know or have heard of the name of Dr. James Dobson. He's very popular when it comes to Family Talk or different things as far as that. He's been around for, for a long time, and he's a very um, reputable source when it comes to different family topics and different sensitive topics. Um, I would encourage you, um, if, if you're struggling with different things, maybe within your marriage or within your family, um, Dr. Dobson, and his website is simply drjamesdobson.org. He's got so many great resources out there that I would encourage you um, that he could, he could touch on many of the different things you may be going through. Um, but much of what I'm going to share this morning, I found through doing some research on different um, pieces that he has put together. And so, um, Dr. Dobson had this to say about um, God when it comes to his interaction with God and unborn um, children in Scripture. He said this, not only is he, speaking of God, aware of their gestations, but he is specifically knowledgeable of them as unique individuals and personalities. He says, not only is he, God, aware of their gestations, but he is specifically knowledgeable of them as unique individuals and personalities. Think about that for a moment. Individuals and personalities, it says, as they're forming, as they're being created in their mother's womb. The first verse that we're going to look at this morning, the first example we're going to look at, is found in Luke chapter 1, verse 15, and we're looking at the story of Zechariah. We looked at the story actually a few weeks ago in our Christmas series that we looked at. Luke 1, verse 15, and so it's just the second part of this verse. But it says, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. Right? So to give you a little context for the passage, this is where Zechariah is crying out to the Lord on behalf of he and his wife Elizabeth. Right? They're, they're longing for a child. They're saying, God, we're, we're desperate for a child, right? We, we're, we're getting to the point where we're, we're longing for a child and we're growing out of our childbearing years. And God, we, we want to have a child. And they haven't been able to do so. And Zachariah, right, he's, he's out on this, this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity as a priest. He's been given this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to go into the temple and, and, and to, to be able to put incense in, in the inner part of the temple and as he's there, the angel of the Lord appears to him. And he tells him, he says, he says, God has not only heard your prayers, 
He's answered them. Your wife Elizabeth is, is going to be with a child and he's, you're going to have a son and he's going to be John the Baptist and, and he's going to come and he's going to prepare the way for Jesus. And the angel's telling him this. And he says, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. While he's still in the womb, he will be baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. Right? We know that John the Baptist is the cousin of Jesus who prepares the way for the public ministry that Jesus is going to do. But just think about that. How, how amazing is that? I'm going to pour my spirit out on this unborn child who's still in his mother's womb. Do you think God is showing value to that unborn child? I think so. Why? Because God saw life starting at conception and from within the womb. And one more quick thing before we move on to the next passage that we look at. This passage is from the Gospel of Luke, right? So the Gospel of Luke, and, and Jesus hasn't come yet. This is before the book of Acts, right? So this is before the day of Pentecost. So this is before the Holy Spirit has actually been poured out. But God says, I'm going to pour my spirit out onto John the Baptist before he's even been born and also before the day of Pentecost. So cool to see what God was doing with this unborn child and what he wanted to do with John the Baptist. The second passage we're going to look at this morning comes from Jeremiah chapter 1. As a prophet, Jeremiah describes how God not only knew him, but he set him apart for a specific purpose before he was ever even born. So Jeremiah chapter 1, we're going to look at verses 4 and 5. It said, The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. I just, I love the picture that this verse paints for us this morning. It says, God is saying that before he formed you in his mother's womb, he knew you, or some translations say, he chose you. Meaning that God desires to be with you. It's not just speaking about Jeremiah here. The part that's specific to Jeremiah in this passage is that he chose Jeremiah to be a prophet. The part that relates to all of us and every single one is that God chose you for something specific. But God chose each and every one of us. He knows each and every one of us before he even formed us. While we were being put together in our mother's womb. That's the value that God places on an unborn child. That he knows us while we're being put together in our mother's womb. Amen? He desires to be with you, to set you apart for a specific purpose and a calling that is unique to you and you alone. To you and you alone. For Jeremiah, God set him apart as a prophet to the nations. For God, God has called me to be a shepherd, to be a pastor. God has called you to do something specific that is for you and you alone. 
God set me apart as a pastor and said, from the time that he began forming me in my mother's womb, ever since the time I was being formed, everything in my life has been done to get me to where I am today. He did the same for you as well. Our God is truly amazing. Just another kind of little side note. People who are often pro-choice, often refer to, to, to look at unborn babies as a fetus rather than an unborn child for different reasons. Usually because it's easier to psychologically deal with the decision that they may want to make. John the Baptist and Jeremiah were hardly just a fetus before they were born. God didn't look down and go, I'm going to pour my spirit out on that fetus. Or I'm going to take this fetus and he's going to be a prophet to the nations. He said, no, I know that child. And I'm going to pour my spirit out on him. And I have picked out that son and he is going to be a prophet to the nations. God knows you as he forms you. He picks you out and he sets you on a path. He has a plan for your life from the moment you are being put together in your mother's womb. They were already known by their creator who had assigned them their life by a divine decree. Again, it's amazing to see the example that God shows and how much he values the life of everyone, including a baby from the very moment that they are conceived. Another example that we're going to look at this morning is found way back in the very beginning of Genesis chapter 25 as we look at the story of Isaac and Rebekah. Again, like with Zechariah, they're struggling to have children as they advance in their age. They're getting to the point where they're going, man, we don't know if we're going to be able to have children. We're, we're, we're advancing through our childbearing years. And the Lord answers their prayers. But it's interesting how it plays out, right? We're going to pick it up in verse 21 of chapter 25 of Genesis, where it says, Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was childless. The Lord answered his prayer, and his wife Rebecca became pregnant. The babies jostled each other within her, and she said, Why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire the Lord. The Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. So, Jake, so the Lord answered the prayer, with not one, but two children in the form of twins, Jacob and Esau. Esau was the oldest, but as we just read in the scripture, tells us that he would eventually come to serve underneath his younger brother, Jacob. And it's still believed that actually, if you go to the Middle East today, and you find the people of Jacob, the people of Esau, there's still a discord, there's still a hatred between the people of Jacob and Esau today. The amazing thing in this passage is that God was aware of the developing personality of these two unborn twins. Two twins in the womb of Rebecca. And God knew the personalities. He knew and he foretold of a future conflict that was going to partake between not only these two twins, but what was going to come of their descendants. 
what was going to come of the nations that would come out of these two individuals. Why would God care to know that before they're born if he didn't already see them as valuable at that point? Why? Because God sees each and every individual as valuable from the point that they are conceived. The fourth example that we're going to look at this morning is the actual conception of Jesus himself by the working of the Holy Spirit in the Virgin Mary. We're going to look at Matthew 1, verse 18, which reads, This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. So from the moment that Jesus was a single cell, a single cell, first place inside Mary, God was involved in the process. A single cell. God was involved in the process. I don't think anyone would argue with this example this morning. They might say, okay, this is the exception to the rule. Jesus is the one exception to the rule. Obviously, the means by which the conception came about are unique, you know, quite, quite unique, right? We would all say, we understand how conception works. This one is different than the rest of them. But as, as the rest of it goes, the rest of the development in Jesus, in his birth, you know, his development in Mary is the same as the rest of us develop in our mother's womb. There's nothing else that was different other than the original conception of how Jesus was conceived in Mary. And that was done through the work of the Holy Spirit. But God was involved from the very first cell of Jesus' inception. And the final ex scriptural example we're going to look at this morning is from King David in Psalm 139. He so eloquently describes the prenatal process of God developing him while he was still in his mother's womb. We're going to pick it up at verse 13 of Psalm 139. King David says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Wow. Listen to what Dr. Dobson has to say about this passage, as I think he's, he sums it up perfectly. He said, that passage is thrilling to me because it implies that God not only scheduled each day of David's life, but he did the same for me. He was there when I was being formed in utter seclusion, and he personally made all the delicate inner parts of my body. Imagine that. The God, creator of the universe, lovingly supervised my development during those pre-conscious days in utero, as he did for every human being on earth. Surely, anyone who can grasp that concept without sensing an exhilaration is stone-cold dead. End quote. God not only created us uniquely, he oversaw every aspect 
of our development. But he foresaw every day of our life before we ever even got our first glare of daylight. That's truly amazing. That's, that's how much God truly loves us. That shows how much value he places on us during the time that we are being formed in our mother's womb. It, it's just it is amazing. So this morning we've taken time to look at how God values life by going over five different passages that show how God was not only knowledgeable, but involved with individuals before they were ever even born. And I want to encourage you this morning, and I've mentioned it throughout, but the same is true in each and every one of our lives. God has been working in your life since the moment that you were conceived. And he sees you as valuable, as treasured, and as a child of his. And it breaks my heart to see that we have so many people in our world today who truly don't understand the way that God values life. And the value that comes with life. In the 46 years since Roe v. Wade was enacted, an estimated 60 million babies have been aborted. I literally sat in my office and I cried. I weeped when I read that. They weren't tears of judgment. They were tears of sadness. They were just tears of, of, of just thinking of what could have been for those 60 million individuals. For the mothers, for the fathers, for the family members. And again, for, for the babies that, that never had a chance at life. But again, I hope this morning my goal was not for anyone to feel ashamed by what I've shared this morning. But I did feel as though this needed to be shared. For we've been quiet too long as a church. And as I mentioned, I believe that's part of the reason why society and culture has gotten to the place that it is today. But I don't want to leave us on that note this morning. That's, I don't want to leave us on a down. I want us to have a chance to end our service in prayer. So if I can get Kennedy and Rachel, if I could get you to come back up at this point. I believe that every life matters regardless of the length, the quality, or what that life can offer to this world. Because many people would offer... Well, if that baby's not going to survive, what's the point? If that baby, if that individual's not going to have any quality of life, what's the point? Or if that individual's not going to be able to contribute to our world, what's the point? Because each and every person is created in God's image. That's the point. That's what matters. Because there's value in each and every person. Why? Because they're created in God's image. Each and every person. It doesn't matter what, what, what is going on in an individual. They're created in God's image. And as I mentioned earlier, we believe that God can heal them. And even if God doesn't choose to do so, so be it. They're still created in God's image and that doesn't change anything about them. 
doesn't change the circumstance. It doesn't change the fact that they are just as valuable as anyone else. It doesn't change the fact that they deserve to have life as much as you or I do. Who are we to decide who deserves the right to have life or not? It's not our place. It's not our call. God is the one who knows what each and every day of our life will be like from the time that we are being formed in our mother's womb. Every second of life is valuable and worthwhile in my eyes. I know parents who unfortunately have lost their child quickly after they were born within the matter of a few hours. And I had the opportunity to sit down and talk with them and I said, guys, just being honest, what was it like? said, you know what, it was hard, it was difficult, but we wouldn't trade those couple hours we had for anything else in the world. As hard as it was, as difficult as it was, those couple hours are the most precious hours as a family we've ever had. They said it was worth every second. Why? Because life is valuable. It's worth every second. And that family's going through a high-risk pregnancy again right now. The wife has been on bed rest in a hospital for six weeks, and she's only at week 25 for pregnancy. And there's many people who would say, why? Why not just choose to take the easy route? Why? Because life is worth living. Life is valuable. It's worth every second. They know they might have to go through the same thing they went through all over again. But they said, if we do, so be it. It's worth it. Because life is valuable. Because God is our healer. And we're trusting God in the situation. For someone this morning, this might be a time of healing. As maybe you've been, maybe you were involved in an abortion at some point in your life. And you've struggled with it ever since. You can't change the past. And I want to encourage you this morning, this is an opportunity to bring it to the Lord and allow Him to take that burden away from you. And understand, you don't have to live in bondage to that decision that you've made for the rest of your life. Give it to the Lord. Allow Him to take it. We need to be in prayer for our nation, for our leaders. Nationally, on the state level, on the local level, that they make wise decisions as we move forward. Not just on the topic of abortion, but other moral issues. But as always, if you need prayer for something else, the altars will be open. Myself and a few of our leaders will be up here for prayer. Feel free to come forward for prayer for anything else as well. But just prayer is the only thing that's going to bring about change. The other thing I want to encourage you with, too, is prayer is where it all starts. There are other things we can do. There's petitions. There's things that we can we can enact upon to try to help to make change when it comes to things like this. So I want to encourage you, when you see opportunities to act, when you see opportunities to step up, let's find ways to act upon different things when it comes to issues such as this. Uh, but this morning, they're going to lead us through a song. 
We're going to have a time of prayer and then we'll close together.